Welcome to Clayden's Business. Today we'll be looking at human resource processes. So I'll be going through the key points of the syllabus and before every syllabus dot point you will hear this noise. Feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or are there any queries about anything. It could be really useful to use the slides or to use the textbook to go along with the podcast. Enjoy. Introduction. So the role of employment relations is to provide the business with the workforce it requires. And as a result, it aims to find, attract, develop and motivate the correct people who can provide the services the business needs. So this human element, which is the staff of the business, must be maintained and motivated to give the business a competitive edge. So the definition of employment relations is the function that deals specifically with the relationships between the employer and the employees of the business. So some other terms for employment relations managers are personnel, staffing or human resource managers. And these managers are increasingly aware that employees' satisfaction with their employment often reflects on productivity and efficiency within a business. The human resource cycle. So the human resource cycle has four elements to it. They are acquisition, development, maintenance and separation. And the cycle involves providing incentives for effective, reliable employees to remain motivated and stay within the business. Alongside this, they need to set up procedures for the removal of staff whose skills and attitudes are no longer relevant to the business. Acquisition. The firm will have established its goals and the HR department will examine whether it has the appropriate staff to meet the needs of the firm. In order to do this, the business must do a few things. Firstly, they need to identify the skills and number of employees required in the future. So the department needs to take into account any changes the business is introducing. So an example being technology. Also the strategies the business has chosen to follow and the goals. So an example of that would be expansion to other geographic areas. They also need to analyse their existing workforce. So the department can check through the employee information on its database. They would do this to identify skills, training and hobbies and special interests. They also need to compare the expected future needs of the business with existing staff. So acquisition is the stage in the HR cycle that involves identifying staffing needs, recruitment and selection. Identifying staffing needs. So instead of just hiring, it might just involve training existing staff to make them more able to cope with the changes that will be introduced. Or it may be providing staff with an incentive program which can entice them to be more productive and efficient. If this is not the case though, and more employees are needed, then the specific job needs to be identified and analysed. This results in a job description. So a job description is a written statement describing the duties, tasks and responsibilities which are associated with the job. After that's been done, a job specification must be developed. That outlines the key skills, experience and qualifications needed for the job. So in the function of operations, the example might be a welder that's needed on the factory floor. The job specification for the welder would be developed with the operations department. And in order to acquire a new member of staff, the value of the job needs to be established and a remuneration figure is attached. So this involves determining how much the job is worth, so the pay and the entitlements that are provided to the person employed to do the job. 
Recruitment. The business can fill a vacancy by recruiting applicants in two different ways. One is internally, which is from existing staff, and one is externally, from outside the business. If businesses recruit from within, it can provide an incentive to work harder. But the problem could be if other staff don't believe a colleague deserves to be promoted, that could cause some issues. External recruitment. So this could be outsourced to private employment agencies. Students or graduates may be recruited through interviews on uni campuses, which often target the top achievers in certain courses. This method is very popular with some larger companies. Trainee positions may be offered to HSC students to complete cadetship courses, and these allow students to complete their academic qualifications while having a paid job with a reputable firm. The firm could provide the employees with practical knowledge and also assist them with their academic studies. Another popular method is using online career sites. These are very popular in recruitment, and the position can actually also be advertised in the job vacancy section of local or major newspapers, though this is declining. Centrelink is also used, which offers a range of services to the community, including business and employer information. Current staff may be consulted to establish whether they know anyone who's suitable for the job, such as family members or friends, and at times businesses can also poach or headhunt employees from their competitors, and the way they do this is by offering them a better remuneration package. Selection. The selection process may involve application forms, or interviews. Another major method is assessment centres and these may be used to assess the suitability of applicants. Written tests are common such as mathematics and English and also computer interviewing. So this is where an applicant uses their own computer to answer questions set by the firm's recruitment department. Some firms have a handwriting assessment such as assessment for clarity, spelling, punctuation, neatness or personality. There's many skills required for a job that can be improved through training but it's really difficult to teach someone people skills. So once the business has decided on the applicant, the chosen person is formally offered the position. The selection process has to be completed pretty quickly as a good applicant may have applied for several jobs. And after the offer has been made and before the applicant accepts the offer, there may be a process of negotiation over pay and entitlement. Staff development. So the staff of a business can be its most valuable asset and can provide it with a competitive advantage over other businesses. In order to maintain this edge, the business ensures it continues to develop the skills and capabilities of its staff. Each business has a different way of operating, which is also called an individual culture. An induction procedure introduces the new employee to the business. Training. Orientation or induction of new staff may involve a few days of training. And things like staff requirements, codes of conduct, rostering, grievance procedures, positions, work systems, techniques and computers are all discussed. Training includes any activities which are aimed at improving an employee's present and future performance in the workforce. And this results in upgrading skills, knowledge and competency levels. Some of the training methods can include on-the-job training and off-the-job training. Trainees and apprentices need to be supervised while on the job. And although the work may proceed slowly while learning new skills, it's really important to be patient. This practical component of the employee's training is usually backed up by the TAFE lectures and course material. Traineeships and apprenticeships are very popular for plumbers, mechanics, electricians, chefs and other trades. Development. 
Development involves preparing employees for future responsibilities within the organisation. This might be due to a change in the strategy of the business or a growth in its size. If the business provides staff with a wider range of experiences, that results in greater flexibility and increased capacity for change to take place. An example is someone who works on the bar in a club also acting as a cashier. A performance appraisal can also be carried out here, and this requires a formal assessment of how well a person is working and provides a basis for future training needs, pay rises, promotions and further development. So when new technology is considered, training and development costs should be included in the evaluation. Maintenance of databases. A database is used to maintain the records of a business, which includes the employee information. A skills inventory is a database that contains information on the skills, expertise and qualifications of the staff. And the positive benefit of this is to be able to call up or search for specific information. An example would be current staff with training in a certain skill to fill a particular position. This database could also include personal information such as marital status, medical history, home address and hobbies. Maintenance of HR staff. So the firm needs to make sure it can keep the employees who are valuable to the development of the business. The way it does this is through maintenance. So they provide the working conditions and work environment that will motivate staff to be increasingly productive, gain satisfaction from their work and remain loyal. The benefits of retaining loyal and committed workers are it increases productivity, improves the level of morale, improves communication, reduces the level of absenteeism, so taking days off, and decreases the costs because there's lower staff turnover. Monetary benefits. In some occupations, monetary benefits may be paid in the following ways. So firstly, according to sales. So a real estate agent receiving a commission, which is a payment based on the value of a sale. Secondly, based on an individual's output. So payments of rates for fruit picking is an example. So fruit pickers may be paid according to the number of crates of fruit they have picked. Thirdly, as bonuses, which are often paid at Christmas time or the end of a financial year as an additional reward. Fourthly, through a shared ownership scheme. So this may take the place of pay increases and provides the added incentive of workers owning part of the business. So this is very popular with Coca-Cola and Qantas workers. Fringe benefits is a fifth one. So a company car, a low interest housing loan, a mobile phone, an expense account, discounted purchases, better super are some examples of those. Non-monetary benefits, however, are often combined with monetary benefits to complete a remuneration package. So these include greater job variety, more flexible working hours, increased status in the community, managing yourself, maybe access to an employee-subsidised cafeteria. In Australia, employees have gained many non-monetary benefits with the help of the union movement. Some of the benefits are incorporated into their award system. So many people also negotiate special conditions in their individual contracts. Some of the benefits which are most common are a period of annual leave, and in Australia this is usually four weeks, 17.5% loading on their annual leave. Also, additionally, after working full-time for the same firm for 10 years, people are entitled to long service leave, which is at least eight weeks paid leave on top of their holiday. All employees are currently entitled to have up to 12% of their annual wage or salary played into their super account. Separation. Separation is the ending of the employment relationship. This may come from either the employee or the employer, and it's the termination of the employment contract. 
In many cases, the staff of a particular firm may actually provide the business with a competitive advantage over other businesses. Retirement. In Australia, since new laws were passed in the 1990s, there is no official retirement age. In the past, it was 65 years for males and 60 for females. The current trend's been to retire earlier, so in a person's mid to late 50s, and they take advantage of superannuation and they might have accumulated long service leave. Many professional people, such as lawyers, doctors and accountants, continue to work into their 70s. People may retire due to ill health. Some just don't have any motivation anymore, and some may plan to go travelling around the world. Several firms actually give counselling for people who intend to retire to help them plan what is a difficult lifestyle change. Resignation. Some employees resign, so that is leave their jobs for reasons such as a need to change their lives or they might be moving interstate. In this case, the employee needs to give the employer notice of their intention to leave the job. The length of notice required depends on the industry involved and the contract. In many occupations, on average, employees are required to give one to four weeks notice. Voluntary redundancy. So employees can actually nominate themselves for voluntary redundancy when their existing job is no longer required by the firm. That could be due to technology changes, a merger or a takeover. So these individuals may have been offered a redundancy package and find it in their interest to leave the job earlier than they had planned. Some employees may be required to leave their place of employment through the decision of management. This is involuntary separation. In this case, management decides which employees will no longer be required. Involuntary redundancy. So redundancy is the termination of employment due to the firm closing down or the job no longer being required. This could be due to restructuring or new technology. In the last case, the actual skill of the worker is outdated because of technology and they're no longer used. So an example would be that attendance at petrol stations used to actually work the pump. In order to terminate employment in this way, the employer would need to make redundancy payments to employees based on how long they have worked at the firm. The Employment Protection Act 1982, which is New South Wales, provides a minimum scale for severance payments for all permanent employees under New South Wales awards. If a firm downsizes due to a drop in demand in its product or service or sells a division of its business, it may need to retrench staff. So retrenchment is where staff are cut back or the number of staff is reduced. Some of these employees may be offered their jobs back if demand increases. And in the 80s and 90s, the banking sector undertook significant retrenchment programs. This was because of competition, deregulation, mergers and changes in technology for banking. Dismissal. This can take two forms. So you've got instant or summary dismissal or dismissal after a series of warnings. So instant or summary dismissal is the immediate termination of the contract without any notice. So this is quite serious and would happen in instances of theft from the firm, careless behaviour, gross negligence, absenteeism, drunkenness, misconduct. Dismissal after a series of warnings may follow incidents such as continual lateness, failing to perform the duties required. In the latter case, the employee may be issued with a written warning and provided with counselling or assistance. Businesses should have a written policy which set out the procedures that managers follow in cases requiring discipline, dismissal or retrenchment of staff. Casual workers are hired on an hourly or daily basis. They receive an extra loading on top of the normal rate of pay because they don't receive benefits such as sick leave. 
Part-time employees work a regular number of hours per week, but fewer than full-time hours. Part-time workers usually receive the flat hourly rate of full-time workers and are entitled to benefits on a pro rata or proportional basis. Full-time employees receive full weekly wages and conditions and may work between 35 and 40 hours or on average 38 hours per week depending on their occupation and award. That takes us to the end of the podcast. I hope you found all this information really useful and if you use the textbook or your notes alongside this, it can be really beneficial for learning the syllabus. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.